welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Gee, I needed that hug. I needed that. How are we doing, church? Good evening. How's everyone keeping? I just want to tell everyone online tonight, I'm Isaac, if you don't already know. Um, I'm normally, normally chilling in the background, grooving on the bass, um, so this is all quite new to me, um, so I'm quite nervous, but I want to tell anyone online who's watching tonight uh, that it was really sunny in Cork today. It was, it was a lovely day, just so you know, because you think Cork's cloudy uh, and not that great, but it was, it was, a, it was a, what do you say, it was a blaster, no. It was a blinder. Blinder! That's the one. It was a blinder. But um, if you haven't been to Young Adults, because I rudely excused you a couple of weeks ago in the video saying, you know, if you're 50, God has great things for you. Even though everyone always looks past the great things that God has for you at your age and says, oh, you just excluded me. You know, I presented you with hope. Um, but anyways, that is a, a taste and a flavor of what goes on every Sunday night, which I'm so privileged and proud to be a part of. And I just want to give thanks to Pastor Patrick um, for the opportunity to come here and show what goes on um, on a Sunday night. Um, you're really doing an amazing job and all glory to, glory to the Lord. You know it. So, yeah, so good to be here. Tonight, the message and um, the title of it is Defender of the Week. Uh, I want you to say it. I have a defender. Can, can we repeat that, church? I have a defender. Can you say, God is my defender? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to him. Does anyone else in this place maybe tonight feel weak? The message is defender of the weak. Who is here and they're just like, I feel so weak. My soul, my spirit is zapped and I don't really know what to do. I'm at the end of myself. Well, glory to God. You're in the right place with the right person at the right time. So this is where you need to be tonight because we have a defender and his name is Jesus. Glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. Even as I say that, we have a defender and his name is Jesus. It thrills my heart. It fills me with hope and excitement and anticipation because he is good and he is faithful to us. You might think, Isaac, why are you talking about weakness tonight? Obviously, by looking at your biceps, you're huge, and you could probably bench press an ox. Like, why are you talking about weakness? And I'm like, I, get, I know, I know, I get you, but I'm actually, looks can be deceiving. These biceps, I know, I'm not as strong as I, as I seem on the surface. I'm actually not strong at all. Um, anytime I go to the gym, you'll find, you, I'll, I'm that guy who's underneath the weight, who's calling for the spot, you know? Spot, spot, spot me. <laughs> Somebody come to my rescue. Because I'm, I'm not strong at all in, in stature, in uh, physicality, nor in spirituality. Um, or, yeah, in anything. I, I'm not, I'm actually weak. Uh, and I, I think if we all come to an honest place and a praise and an assessment of ourselves, we can all say, you know what, I'm actually a lot weaker than I'd like to be. And then I thought I was, then I, I thought I was stronger than this. You know, I'll admit I'm actually really weak. So I want to talk tonight um, about Jesus being our defender. And I love, I love what Jesus does in the gospel, what we're going to read in a second. He always presents a case for the sinner. He always, the whole gospel is Jesus presenting a case for the weak, where, he, where people come in and say, you don't deserve this salvation, you, des- you don't deserve to be in a relationship with Jesus. You don't deserve to be in a community of believers. And Jesus steps in and he says, 
I'm here with them. Yeah, the people that you're pointing to, the ones that you call sinful, unworthy. I'm standing, sitting, eating, dining with those people. And he's here, the same God. Um, And I just want to say Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No, like that's something that we need to note and look at. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, not strong, not rich in spirit, not full of zeal and, and zest and energy for the Lord, but poor in spirit. Jesus came for the poor in spirit, the broken, the lowly, the weak, and he comes to defend us. So I just want to pray and then get stuck into the word. So Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight in our weakness Lord, admitting, Lord, understanding that we are broken people who desperately need you. Lord, I desperately need you tonight, Lord. And I pray that you will remove me out of the way and your word will come to pass in this place, Lord Jesus. You will be glorified and you will fill the heart of the weak vessels here tonight with hope, Lord Jesus. Um, Lord Jesus, with your strength, thank you that you don't look for our strength that you want to come and give us your strength, your life, your peace, your hope, Lord, which surpasses all understanding. So I pray that for every ear listening, Lord, every open heart tonight, that you would just fill that heart, Lord, with your hope and your strength and meet them with mercy and compassion. What you do best, Lord, we ask you do it again. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. So yeah, I want to just look at a couple of passages quickly, try to get through this and we can have a tea and coffee after and fellowship. Um, but, but a couple of passages where Jesus presents a case for the weak, for the sinner, where we can look and say, hey, that's me. If Jesus stands at me, there's hope. I can come and be a part of community and be confident in, in, in be confident, come with confidence into community, into fellowship, knowing that he stands with me. So I want to look at first Matthew chapter 9. Uh, we're going to start in verse 9. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other uh, dis- disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are a sinner. And my prayer is tonight. That we all know and recognize, yes, we are weak and we are the sinner in this story. We are the one that Jesus is sitting with. And I love that. He comes with his mercy. And the Pharisees are the guys, often we come into church and we can feel condemned uh, by, by comparison. We come into church and we look around, we see people who the enemy tells us, look at them. They have it all together. They're so pristine. Their faith is... 100 and look at you ha look at you you're down here small little guy aren't you no faith you're lacking you're not strong but they're great aren't they and he tries to catch you out with the false lens or the false filter of comparison but then jesus steps in and he rebukes he rebukes these people who come along and say hey Why aren't you, Jesus, why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't you eating with me? I've done everything right here. 
I am walking as best as I can. I'm following everything in, in, that you said before in the Old Testament to follow. I'm doing everything like you said. Ten commandments. I, I'm doing most of them. 613 bylaws. I don't know how anyone could do them, but I'm doing 610. And yet, they're saying, Jesus, but you're sitting with those guys? Why? And I love this. Jesus says, I want you to know the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. And see, these Pharisees and teachers of religious law, they're, they're operating out of an old system. They're operating by, if I do X, Y, and Z, that means God's acceptance, God's approval, and him dining with me. And they've got it completely wrong. Jesus says, no, my economy is to come and sit with the broken. My economy is to come and fellowship with the sinner. But yet, you think that you're going to get to me by following X, Y, and Z. But no, I'm here. Look at me. The way to me is just being you, being broken, and just being in need. And I will sit with you and eat with you. And I love it. He says, learn that I operate through mercy. That's undeserved privilege. I quote to people who don't deserve to be sat with. I sit and eat with people who, who I, sh- yeah, on the surface, in, the, in, in, the, in reality, in the real world, shouldn't be sat with or out with. But that's how I operate. That's how I work. And that's what I just want to say. Jesus calls the sinner. And that's the same for you tonight. He's calling you. He wants you. He came for you. And I want to move on quickly and go to Luke chapter 19. Another story where it says, Luke 19 verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Again, we see another case that Jesus presents to people who think they have it all together, where he says, no, I'm actually coming for the broken, for the weak. I'm coming and choosing them and sitting with them in their house. And what I love is that you can't get away from the touch of grace here. When, when he meets Zacchaeus, with such kindness, such love, such approval. It's an approval that is transformation in motion. Zacchaeus, when he was so loved and accepted by Jesus, he felt it to such an extent. He says, I ha- Lord, I, I will go and I will give. And, I will, I, I, and that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of God's grace. When we're met with his approval and acceptance, how can we not be changed? And as a result, walk out the fruits that the Lord wants us and desires for us to bear in our lives. And I love that, the touch of grace that's there for, for Zacchaeus. Thank you, Lord. 
And I just think Jesus presents a case of hope here. So often um, people come and they say, you're not worthy because of this, because of your past. They look at your past and says, because of that, you were ruled out and you don't deserve to be in God's kingdom. You don't have a place there because you've done this. But Jesus presents Zacchaeus with a case of hope to say, no, everyone else is looking at your past, but I'm looking at your future. I'm choosing to look at what's ahead for you. I know I've called you into my kingdom as in your brokenness, in spite of your weakness. I've chosen you and called you and you have a hope and a future. That's the thing about Jesus. When everyone else looks at your past and points the finger in community, Jesus is presenting all the time your future. He says, behold, a new thing has come. The old has passed. He regenerates, he restores, he gives new life. Therefore, we're presented with hope for the future. His grace enables us to move forward. And the last passage that I want to draw on, and this one's my favorite. I was doing an assignment on this in college, um, and there's just such life. In the, it's found in Luke chapter 15. Let me just go back here. But basically, again, Jesus presents a case to those who think, by following such rules and regulations, I can be approved and accepted and be a part of God's kingdom. It starts in 15 verse 1. It says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And I love Jesus. He doesn't get phased by these guys. He just says, so Jesus told them a story. Casual as can be. You know, everyone expects, you know, some rushed response. And Jesus says, let me tell you a story. And he talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep. Uh, he goes on then to talk about the lost son. And we've heard this story loads of times, so I'm not going to read the passage. But so often we get to that crux in the story where the father meets the son. He runs out to the son uh, out of his such compassion in his heart. He runs to the son and he greets him and hugs him and brings him home. And that's so powerful. But when I was looking into this and the context and the culture at the time, I just found that it's much deeper and much richer than this. What basically at that time in the community or in the village, if someone had the audacity to take their father's money and their sum of wealth and leave and spend it on reckless living and, and as the prodigal did, what would happen is if they ever tried to return, there would be a ceremony held. And that ceremony was entitled Kezaza. And basically what that meant was it was a ceremony to cut off the person that if they ever tried coming back, the villagers would meet them at the gate of the village and they would say, no, you're not welcome here anymore since you've done this. Don't come back, basically, in the ceremony. And this just makes the story of the father running to the son all more powerful because instead of him just being excited to see his son and happy that he's coming home, he runs and he meets him, but he gets there ahead of the villagers. When the villagers are racing out to the edge of the town, he gets there before. And what does he do? We read that he presents his son with a robe, with a ring and with sandals. And these are all symbolic things. Because the robe, when the, you can imagine the son and he's coming back with such trepidation. He's coming back absolutely shaking in fear because he knows about the ceremony. He knows 
he knows what to expect when he comes back. These guys are going to be waiting for me and hopefully I can just be of some use in my father's house. So I can offer something and that will be acceptable and okay. But the father also knows. He knows the ramifications if the, if the villagers get there before him. So the beautiful thing is, no, the father gets there before and he presents his son with a robe. He's after eating with the pigs, you can imagine. He's not clean. He's dirty. And that's a symbolism again for his soul, his, his spiritual life. It's not just, yes, he's filthy on the outside. Probably needs to go to pennies and get a rack of clothes. But he's also internally, it's symbolism. And, and the father comes, he says, not only, not only a robe, the finest robe. And that's our king. That's our Jesus. Not just a robe, but the best of the best. He gives to his unworthy, undeserving son. And he does it in front of the villagers. Imagine. So he gives him a robe to cover his dirt, his uncleanliness. He says, now, you're mine again. You're clean again. He gives him a ring. What, is, what do we use rings for? We use rings for marriage. We use rings to show affection and approval to say, I'm going to put a ring on it because I approve and I accept and I want you forever in my life. And that's what the father does. He puts a ring on it. He says, I want you. I love you. And, and you, are, you will be my bride. And he puts a ring on it. And that's the same for us, that approval and that acceptance. Even though we are unworthy, he wants to put, and he has put a ring on all of us. And then the last one is the sandals. Sandals in that time were always associated with slaves. Or sorry, when you had no shoes, you, it was associated with a slave. So, so he came barefooted back to the back, traipsing back barefooted as a slave. But then he gave him the sandals to show him the sonship that he wanted. He said, yes, you were a slave for a time, for a season. You felt like that. You were treated like that. But now you're here with me. You're my son again. Return to the fold. You are a part of my kingdom. I want you. You're clean. You're accepted. And you're a son and you're a daughter. That's what he's telling. That's what he's telling us tonight. So undeserving. So unworthy. But yet the father comes and covers. And, and this is the home truth. The most beautiful part of the story is that the villagers saw all this. They witnessed all that. And now they're looking at the whole interaction and they're saying, they're saying, wait, we had a problem with the son. We had a problem with the son because he left and he took the father's wealth. But now the father has accepted the son. So now we have an issue with the father. And this is the beautiful transaction that took place at that time is the shame-filled son came back, but the father took the shame. The father took the shame. So the people are all confused and they're saying, wait a second, now we want the father. So what happens? Ultimately, the father representing Jesus takes the shame. They did get him, but not for long. Not for long. They hung him on a tree. And on that tree of Calvary, he took our shame. He took our guilt and he defeated it. Not by just dying, but by rising again to show that he is greater than. Greater than, more powerful than any shame or any guilt that can come from the enemy over our lives. And that's what he wants to do tonight. He wants to free you from shame. He wants you to know that he has taken your shame. And if he has it, 
why are you claiming it? Why are you coming in with your head hanging down into community, into fellowship? He wants to know, I have your shame. I, it, was, it was on me on the cross. The people looked at me, they spat at me, they pierced my side and put a crown of thorns on my head. Not, not for nothing. It was so, so you could be free. You could have confidence and not be full of shame. And you can have a relationship with me, be in my house, sit with me, dine with me and be loved by me. That's why I died on the cross. That's why I hang. And these are the last, this, the three truths that I want to leave you with. Jesus presents us with a case for comfort. We see in, in, Matthew, um, in, in Matthew 9 when he, comes to, when he comes to Matthew and calls him. He presents us with a case of comfort. When anyone quite tries to come and the enemy tries to come and say, you're a sinner, you don't deserve Jesus, you don't deserve to be in fellowship or to hold your head high after what you've done, I believe Jesus wants to tell you that he sits with you, just like he sat with the notorious sinners of the day and the weak of the day. I want you to respond to the lie and of the enemy and say, he sits with me. Hang on a second, I'm not having that. He sits with me. The same way he showed it, he proved it in the, in the scripture. It's right here. He sat with the notorious sinner, the weak, the broken, the outcast. Luke is all speaking to the outcast, the book of Luke, written to a man named Theophilus, who was known as a, 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 a good rank and file guy, a Gentile, but he didn't feel legitimate in the Christian community. So Luke writes him a letter, then that goes beyond Theophilus, so we can all read it today and be blessed by it too. But it's dealing with that I feel like I'm on the outside. Not good enough for all this. There's people who seem so good in church raising their hands and they seem to be on the ball. But Luke's saying, no, I'm writing this all, a testament of Jesus, so you can know feeling an outcast, you're accepted and approved of, loved by God eternally. So he provides us with a case of comfort. Anytime Jesus sits with me, respond to the lie. You don't deserve it. He sits with me. The second one, a case of hope. And like we see in... Luke chapter 19, when Zacchaeus, uh, he goes to Zacchaeus' house. The touch of grace that Zacchaeus received caused him to respond in a manner where he, his hope was revived, resuscitated, where he once was filled with shame again, saying, everyone hates me, I'm a tax collector, I'm a cheater, I steal everyone's money. His hope is revived when Jesus comes to his house and says, you know what, yeah, they all think not much of you, but I'm here with you, sitting with you again. And as a result of that, hope filled his heart. And he was began to go out and say, I have a future. I have a future. Because Jesus came to my house in spite of my weakness. I have a future. It's a case of hope. And I want all of you to believe that and say, yes, we all have past. But Jesus is always saying, behold, there's a new thing. It's new life. The old has gone. The new has come. Why are we focused on the past? Why are we always looking at the past? Let's cling to the grace, the undeserved kindness that Jesus offers and say, because of this, God, I don't know how, when, what, but I know because of you and like Andy said last week, because of your nature and Ben the week before, because of your beautiful consistency, I can trust that I have a future. The last and final one that I'll leave you with is Jesus presents us with a case of rest. And that's simply it. We can relax. Like when we came home, when the son came home, he says to the father, can I be a slave? And essentially what he's saying is, 
how can I be of use? How can I get your approval back again to even some extent, some degree, some measure, so I can have, you know, so, some nice comfort and security, just, just to an extent. I know I'll never get back to where I was before. No, <laughs> it's not possible. He said, just how can I be of use? What, what can I do? But what, ultimately what the father is saying is, relax, I've got you. Here's, don't, you don't got to do anything. You're my son. Here's the sandals to prove it. Here's the, the robe to show you're clean. And here's the ring to show I accept you and love you as you are in spite of your weakness. So he prevent, presents us uh, with a case of rest. Relax. He's done it. As he said, when he, when he met the son at the edge of the village, he took the shame. If we were to take the shame, then no, don't relax. Be worried. It's a big thing. But because he's taken the shame, we can breathe. We can relax. We have a defender. Can we pray, church, as we close this out? Lord Jesus, thank you that you come and present case after case um, as to why we're accepted by you, Lord. In spite of weakness, we can stand in confidence uh, by your strength, by your power, Lord Jesus. We can say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, King Jesus, for coming for a wretch like me to give me a future Lord, so, so that I can rest in your goodness, in your strength, and have confidence in community and fellowship, knowing that no, not one are righteous, not one, but Jesus, you are, and because you are good and righteous, Lord, and you took my place on the cross of Calvary, I will stand and I will be confident and walk, Lord, into the future that you have for me, Lord Jesus, and enjoy the sweetness of the communion, the sweetness of the relationship that I can now share between the son and the father. I am a son. I am a daughter. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. And glory to your name forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.